Hello, everyone, and welcome or welcome back to Nightmare Now. I'm your host, Eric Byrne, and lucky for you, my brain is still in my skull where it belongs, which alarmingly has not been a constant for everyone this week. Again, we've got a thing where I'm putting together an episode, and bam, there's some topical stuff on the news. It happened last week with the UFO whistleblower stuff, and again with the Los Angeles UFO, which I think happened after I recorded last week, but didn't really touch on because the <laughs> the linear nature of time. But basically there was this uh, scenario where police body cam footage of a UFO and a 911 audio recording of people calling emergency services to report like nine foot tall humanoid alien creatures in their backyard. <laughs> I think they tried to arrest them for disturbing the peace, which seems like a reasonable crime. I, I think all extraterrestrial invaders should be put behind bars. Anyway, just once, I want the aliens to land in, like, Englewood in Chicago or something and just get, like, absolutely lit up by gangs. I, I feel like that should be a movie. They did Cowboys versus Aliens. I don't I don't think they've done gangsters versus aliens yet, although I wouldn't put it past sci-fi channel to do something like that, but I I think that that would be just quality cinema. But this isn't an alien episode. This in fact is a very human one, a tale of greed, curiosity, and also dismemberment. Luckily, we as a society are over the wholesale exploitation in disgusting act of selling body parts. What's this? Hold on. I'm getting a news flash here. Oh, man. Harvard morgue manager stole body parts from corpses to sell as... What's that? Home decor? Oh, okay. Well, that's probably not still common. Surely this is a one-off case, right? Let me just take a quick look here. Oh, God, it's a thriving billion-dollar industry of organ trafficking. I'm just going to file that one away for another show. Say what you will about planet Earth, but we produce a lot of good content for us horror podcasters. So what I originally wanted to talk about is Einstein's brain, because that's the topic I chose for the episode in my carefully constructed five-year <laughs> schedule for the show. And it's definitely not because I just scattershot choose what I want to talk about one week to the next. And what do you know, we have a relevant true crime story to tack on as well. That'll be a fun little bit of extra airtime. So we'll do a little bit of that award-winning. So we'll do a little bit of that award-winning reporting that you guys have come to expect from me and then do a record scratch freeze frame about funny tongue out science, man. So here I am charting the course of Einstein's brain fittingly through time and space. Spoiler alert, it was in his head for most of his life. And what do I see but this story pop up? Not far from home either. Harvard is like an hour from here. Technically, the indictment took place in Scranton, Pennsylvania, but this is a crazy little story. I got this from the Associated Press. So a fellow by the name of Cedric Lodge and his wife, Denise. I, Cedric was the morgue manager at Harvard Medical School. And I saw a couple of pictures of this guy. I mean, the pictures I saw were mostly from like Instagram. So I don't know if that's just like insane sensationalized reporting where they show this guy with like face tattoos and stuff. But the picture that they're showing 
really doesn't surprise. I know not to judge a book by its cover, but this is definitely the guy that you're going to want to go to if you're in the marketplace to buy human body parts. Hi everyone, future Eric here with a fact check as I'm editing this episode. The guy with the face tattoos was not the one selling the human body parts, he was the one buying them, but the rest of the commentary stands. So this is at Harvard Medical School where your most prestigious doctoral students go, and this guy Cedric was the manager. First of all, never trust managers. Don't tell my boss I said that. As soon as the students would go home, this dude was skinning a little bit off the top of the medical cadaver business. Literally skinning off the top. So skin, heads, brains, bones, and more. So the article said and more, and you just know, you just know that that means dicks. Oh, man. So this guy, Lodge, takes pieces of the bodies he's in charge of cremating. So basically, the medical students go home, and this is like the Igor-looking motherfucker in charge of making sure the bodies get disposed of and everyone gets... Everything's on the level, you know? When you're dealing with human bodies, I'm sure there's a lot of regulations and stuff to go over, which I feel like is probably a good thing. But if you're the guy that's in charge of cremating the bodies, the evidence is pretty much destroyed. You know, you you pull out brain or, like, a piece of skin, and the rest of the body is just a pile of ashes. Try differentiating a headless corpse from a regular corpse. I mean, a head full? <laughs> a a whore... Try differentiating a headless corpse from a corpse with a head on it when they're both piles of ashes. It would really be the perfect crime if he wasn't treating it like a fucking yard sale. He had buyers come in and, like, take artisanal cuts that they wanted. Like, this guy literally had... So as soon as the morgue closed down, he would have... Let's call them eccentric people come in and look and be like, I want that guy's head. Oh, that's a nice toe. Oh, can you get me that toe before you, you burn him up? And he would have people looking at the bodies and just, like, choosing the parts they wanted. Pretty sure that's not in the agreement when you donate your body to medical science. They were shipping the body parts through the mail, so him and his wife, to buyers for who knows what. They These don't really seem to be for transplant. Like I said, I'm going to cover that in another episode. The whole organ harvesting industry. That's a whole other thing but they had a couple of accomplices in mass massachusetts minnesota and pennsylvania and they were indicted wednesday i don't know this was like a couple of days ago for being part of a quote nationwide network of people who bought and sold remains i'm pretty sure you need some kind of license to do this so it was like it was very much not on the level <laughs> uh basically the lodges were like i don't know a, a, an acquisitions department for this other guy, Josh Taylor, and the others, so that they could take the materials and sell them for profit. Who the fuck is buying this shit, and why? There's like, so in the in the court documents, there's fucking Venmo and PayPal transactions, like public Venmos. Seriously, I cannot emphasize this enough, but make your payments private on Venmo. The memo field for these was like $1,000 for head number seven and another one was literally brains for two hundred dollars the emphasis is not mine it is literally b r a i i i i i i n s s like 
if you're in a criminal case and you have that on your public transaction, if you're in a criminal case for like purchasing human body parts, this is not what you want to have on your public Venmo transactions. Just keep it private. Nobody needs to know what you're paying who for. It's not social media. I don't know why I have to say this, but like if you have Venmo, check out your Venmo, see what your friends are up to. I'm sure you're going to find some absolutely heinous activity. Another one of the accomplices was one Katrina McLean, who owns a store in Peabody, Mass. Actually, maybe it was Salem. I don't, I don't remember. Um, called Cat's Creepy Creations, where she sold dolls made from the donated human body parts she was advertising like human spines spine but what are they called vertebrae for sale in her store i mean not all the dolls were there you know give her give her some credit for putting together the non-human body part dolls but you can see pictures of this place all over instagram curiously the actual account of Cat's creepy creation has been since deleted. I can't imagine why. She picked human skin with Cedric from a cadaver and she sold it to a tanner to make man leather. If you want to know more about man leather, I guess check out my episode on books bound in human skin. But generally, you don't want stuff bound in human skin. She offered $600 for two dissected faces from lodge and his wife and they've been linked to a few other people out in arkansas who have again public transaction this is all just like you know if their sister is paying them for like drinks or whatever when they go out for venmo just below that they have like 700 dollars two skinned human faces on their venmo account or on their paypal account just keep it private it's a very simple part of covering up a crime the rest of the crime i don't i don't know how to cover it up that's not what i'm in the business in i'm in the business of reporting the news but apparently this was the first sting in a nationwide operation of people selling human corpses and every now and then you see these stories pop up where it's like some guy in a crematorium was like keeping toes to suck on while he went to sleep at night or these people that donated their bodies to science actually were used in military testing for like, I saw this one story where um, some like old grandma donated her body to like pancreas research or something. And then the air force just like hit her corpse with a missile while she's sitting in a chair, something like that. I'll try and find a link to that in the show notes, but it's a pretty funny story. It reminds me of my, uh, my buddy. Cause we always used to talk about like, you know, what do you want people to do with your body after you die? And obviously the the default answer is just like, you know, I just want to be cremated and so people don't have to deal with it or like, you know, buried next to my family or whatever. And I, I always default to, I want to be dipped in chocolate and pop rocks and shot into the sun. But my friend, my buddy John, and I think I'm actually going to have him on an episode in the next couple of weeks or so. We'll, we'll see if that works out. But I think he used to always say he wanted to, like, get somebody with a turkey baster and just, like, take out his insides, right? And just fill his, his corpse full of jello and just put him in, like, crash test dummy tests. Or, like, just drop him out of a plane and just see what happens to a human body filled with green jello when it hits the ground at, like, mock speed or whatever. Like, I don't, I really don't care what you do with me when I'm dead. Like, I, I don't think that the soul is necessarily tethered to the body like i'd rather that people don't have sex with my 
dead body, but that's like, that's, that's pretty much where I draw the line. Whatever. I'm dead. What do I care? But if I'm donated, like if I donate my body to science and you sell me for a profit, you better believe you got a haunting coming. But you guys probably won't even know I'm dead because by that time, AI will be able to replicate my voice and do my dick and poop jokes until a solar flare wipes out all of the internet just like Uncle Ted Kaczynski hoped for. RIP to that guy, I guess. I guess I will have to cover more of the nationwide cadaver stock market cryptocurrency. That's kind of a pun, right? Some other time, but wow, the news has really been a hot streak of messed up stuff pretty much consistently since 9-11. You know, there's been some heartwarming human interest stories since then. At least since 2016, the news has been an absolute horror show. Ever since they shot Harambe, it's, it's basically gone downhill from there. But Marty, we need to go back. So we need to go past the time they stole JFK's brain. That's for another episode. But not really quite as far back as when they stole Mozart's head. I'm talking about grave robbers, obviously. I think JFK's brain might have actually been stolen by his brother to obfuscate how much drugs he was on. But like I said, another show. Somewhere between JFK and Mozart's brains being stolen, we jump to a brain most special. The day is April 18th, 1955, and yes, that's my birthday, and no, I'm not that old. But less importantly than my birthday, a fellow by the name of Albert Einstein died. You might have heard of him. Einstein suffered an abdominal aortic aneurysm. Essentially, the biggest blood vessel in his body expanded until it popped, and he died. We can get into the nightmare of common causes of death in late 40s 50s and 60s overweight males on another show but i will really be hurting for show topics if that's the case like can you imagine like 10 years down the line i'm just like and then let me tell you all about smoking cigarettes and how bad it is for you anyway einstein speaking of smoking cigarettes actually einstein would smoke so much he would reportedly pull cigarette butts like out of ashtrays so while he worked on the the college campus at princeton he would pull cigarette butts out of the ashtrays and just like rip the the paper around the outside i don't know how cigarettes are made honestly but he would pull the the casing on the outside off and just like fill his corn cob pipe full of the extra tobacco out of the cigarette butts and just like restuff his pipe and smoke that while he was walking around campus like every morning on his way to the lab he'd just chief on the sloppy seconds from all the people that had to go to like an 8 a.m humanities class the guy is supposed to do the autopsy this is after he died, obviously. He was doing the smoking before he died. But the guy that was supposed to do the autopsy, I think his name was Zimmerman, um, he couldn't be bothered to come in. I think he was probably nursing a wicked hangover, which is, like, wild. But only if you understand how famous Einstein really was at the time. Like, I'm going to hazard a guess that most of you cannot name a famous scientist who is currently operating, currently doing science right now, unless you're having sex with them. Old ones, sure. Like, everybody can name Oppenheimer because he's got a movie coming out, or, like, Einstein, or uh, Richard Feynman, or Isaac Newton, or whatever. But, like, can you name one person right now that is doing science that's like, this, this guy or gal is it. One of the greatest minds of our time. I'm, I'm going to hazard a guess you can't, and it's my show, so I can operate on that assumption, even if you're you know, in your lab, screaming, it should have been me. 
Um, I don't care. Nobody knows scientists these days. And I say that as a scientist. But Einstein was huge in the post-World War I public consciousness. He was on the cover of Time magazine three times, which was also a much bigger deal back in the day as well that being on the cover of time magazine because like people didn't have the internet obviously people weren't getting the news from their smartphone people would see the time magazine in the grocery store checkout lane or whatever this was basically how the not affluent but like middle class of america saw their news they're like oh that fella that fellow with his tongue out he's uh the uh, absent-minded professor-looking guy, he's, uh, he's the one that helped us fight the Nazis and helped uh, develop the bomb. Not really true, but, you know, tangentially related. But that's the image that was put out by Time Magazine. And when his theory of relativity was published and tested, he kind of flipped a bunch of modern, at the time, physics on its head. Not that a lot of people really understood what he meant or what he was talking about with the theory of relativity or like any of the equals mc squared or whatever this isn't a physics show i'm sure you can find some other podcast that'll really dumb down einstein's theories but that's not really what i'm here for i'm here to talk about what happened after he died he was the living image of an absent-minded professor he got the frazzled hair the mustache the yerman accent and the dude was given a like i said the dude was given a lot of credit for the atomic bomb erroneously for the most part but it it really doesn't matter to the public funny science man make boom and it it still happens to this day einstein was vaguely politically involved too like not in any sort of causes but some of his quotes and commentaries would sort of out his political views in different ways the fbi thought that he was a commie and they had like a thousand two hundred page file on him or something like that honestly they weren't that far off from him being a communist he was very very i don't know egalitarian or however you want to say it but i'm not going to get into einstein's politics here people would see him out in places and literally like cheer and clap like it was brad pitt or some other I don't know, whoever the modern relevant celebrities are these days. Tom Holland, perhaps. That fellow from Spider-Man. But when people saw Einstein in the street, they would be like, that's the guy that helped us beat the Nazis, and he's very smart, and yeah, all this stuff. Uh, We love you, Albert. So it was a big deal when Einstein finally shit the bed, and I think the regular doctor, Einstein's primary care physician, Harry Zimmerman, must have had a rip-snorting hangover to deal with in order to skip out on that autopsy. And that's one of those moments where it's like some kind of inconsequential decision leads to a, I don't know, a branching timeline in history. So enter the second stringer, Thomas Stoltz Harvey. And this is basically all this guy is famous for. A doctor at Princeton Medical Hospital. He was pretty much next at bat to cut out old Albert up and confirm that his heart had essentially exploded. While he was in there, he just started chopping and fell back on the excuse like, I assumed we wanted to study the brain of the most genius scientist in modern history. Sorry. God. (laughs) And that's basically all it took. Like, when they're doing the autopsy, and Einstein did not want this done. It is pretty clear that he did not want his brain ripped out and everything. But they're like, you know, Harvey, 
you got a point. Maybe we should take a look at his brain. So Einstein and his family did not consent to any sort of study like this. And Einstein himself, he actually wanted to be cremated and thrown, basically thrown in the trash. <laughs> like fucking Danny DeVito and Always Sunny. He wanted to be thrown out in an undisclosed location so nobody would be camping on his grave. Nobody would be engaging in idolatry. Nobody would be treating him as a celebrity. Like people who had been doing his whole later life. So following this autopsy, Harvey had a presumably extremely awkward conversation with Einstein's son, Hans Albert Einstein. He's like, listen, listen, Hans, can I call you Hans? Your, your daddy had a big brain. I, I couldn't really help myself, but it's, it's all good. No big deal. It's, <laughs> plus, it's not like I can't put it. It's not like I can put it back. The rest of him is cremated. Well, well, technically not the rest of it because I kept I kept the eyes too, but it's cool. It's it's let's let's it's cool. It's it's for science. It's 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 what he would have wanted. And and his son is just like I I don't think it was as clearly outlined in his will. He wanted to be creepy. And she's just like it's it's fine. It's fine. Okay, I got the brain. We're gonna, we're gonna, you and I, we're gonna do a, a, a scientific study on the brain, okay? And apparently he got Hans to agree that it was fine on the condition that it would only be used for science in reputable journals. So none of this fly-by-night nature magazine or whatever, it has to be a reputable science journal. As for the eyes, he gave the eyes of Einstein to Einstein's eye doctor. And you really don't want to know what he got for Einstein's urologist, I tell you that much. But apparently the eyes are still apparently in a safe in New York, watching, waiting for their time. That night, Harvey set to work taking a couple of pictures. So this is after he does the autopsy. So he does the Y cut on his chest. He's like, yep, that's your problem right there. Because his chest cavity is full of blood because his aorta exploded. And then he, he takes the saw and goes around his cranium there, rips out the brain. Is like, we could, we could, humanity as a society, we could probably check up on his brain here. She, she was going on with it. So that night, he set to work taking a couple of pictures of the full brain, and then he chopped up the brain into 240 little brain cubes like he's making fixins for an omelet. And then he filled up the brain with formalin to preserve it and suspended the biggest chunks of it in a jar and preserved a bunch of the cubes in celloidin, which is kind of like a rubbery gel kind of thing. But he basically turned brain chunks into bouncy balls. Like, you know how you have cat's eye marble? That might be a reference that only people 50 and up get at this point. Like, how many kids really pl know how to play marbles these days? Anyway, he's got these blocks of rubber with, like, a sliver of brain through the middle of them. A bunch of the other parts get sliced into microscope slides and sent out to scientists all over the country, mostly with no explanation or instruction, as far as I can tell. Like, imagine... <laughs> Imagine you go to your mailbox, you get a clear cube of rubber with a chunk of brain floating in it in the mail, and it just says Einstein's brain, spelled with a fucking backwards S, and like brain is spelled like B R A Y N E or something. Every time a reporter would ask what he was doing with the brain, and this happened in like 56, 1956, like 
uh, right after he died. This happened in 74. This happened in 86. And this happened in like 92. And every time he's like, I don't even know why he's shit faced. It just, it just feels on theme. He's like, I, I am, I am one, one year away from publishing a, a, a major par- paradigm paradigm shift paper on, uh, on the brain. And like every time a reporter would ask him this, he'd be like, it's, it's one year away. Trust the plan. <laughs> this particular answer was repeated until just about 2007 when Harvey finally died without, insofar as much as I'm aware, publishing any sort of paper on the subject. It's very like QAnon, like, trust the plan. Two more weeks and Trump is going to take over the presidency. Trust the plan. In two more days, Eric is actually going to drop a new episode. Trust, <laughs> trust the plan. In one year. Thomas Thomas Harvey is going to drop the bombshell paper on Einstein's brain. <laughs> As for the release schedule, sorry guys, it'll even out over time. I've got a pretty cool thing planned for the 4th of July week. I know I took an extra week off here, but I had some kind of crazy stuff go on over the last week that actually literally involves the Pope, not the one that I talked about in a previous episode that was dead and dung up. This is the living Pope, and it kind of involves me maybe buying a house, but more importantly, buying a bigger podcast studio. Isn't that right? So that's why I didn't record a show last week. Well, I mean, I'm recording this technically last I uh, Time is funny, isn't it? Anyway, it'll even out. I'm still sticking to the two weeks on, one week off. And so that'll be probably three episodes in a row or something. Anyway, most of the articles relegate what happened next to a single sentence or two. Harvey lost his job and his marriage fell apart. He's like, honey, 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 listen, I got the brain. His boss is just in there just like, Harvey, you keep talking about the brain and you keep saying you're going to do something with it. He's like, listen, listen, give me one more year. And his wife is like, I am sick and tired of that goddamn brain being in my fucking refrigerator next to the goddamn Salisbury steak or whatever. I I feel like I feel like owning Einstein's brain in a pickle jar leads to a lot of marital conflict. This also feels like a good time to mention that Harvey was not a brain scientist. He was not a neurologist. He was not a neurosurgeon. He was a pathologist. He has no clue what to do with a chopped up brain. And a pathologist and any pathologist listeners, please correct me if I'm wrong here. But as far as I can understand is like a medical professional that can look at any sort of human tissue and be like, yep, that's your problem right there. You got a hole in your brain or like, your brain is being eaten by mad cow disease or like, you know, your liver is so full of fucking alcohol that your skin is turning yellow. But I don't know if it was all related to the divorce and him losing his job, but I'm going to hazard a guess that and say it was because this brain has basically defined Thomas Stoltz Harvey's entire life and his entire legacy. So we're going to say that it was. He's like, come on, honey, the Einstein's brain is our ticket out of Wichita. We're going to make it. And she's like, you better believe it. My lover is trying to get me out of Kansas. He better have more than his chopped up brain or some fucking little ruby slippers. They weren't even in Kansas. I don't know why I included Wichita. That was just like a random. They were in New Jersey. So <laughs> Einstein's brain is our ticket out of Jersey, baby. 
Anyway, Harvey worked as a supervisor in a number of smaller medical labs after getting fired from Princeton, but eventually he lost his medical license over a three-day competency exam. I didn't even know they did that. Most of my medical knowledge kind of comes from reading chunks of Grey's Anatomy while I was looking for tattoo ideas or TV show Scrubs. And I understand why they check on older doctors, but I didn't know they actually like kicked him out or deleted their medical license or whatever. Funny thing, after his uh, split from his wife there, he eventually lived next door to famous and acclaimed novelist William S. Burroughs. And they would just get shit-faced together with Burroughs talking about his poems and Harvey being like, I can get you a chunk of Einstein's brain. We can even dip it in guac and just see where the night takes us. <laughs> it's just like one of those many cases where C-list historical figures from history just like randomly intersect for a while. I'm wildly gesticulating with my hands, throwing my hands across one another as they show the life paths of two minor historical characters, whatever. Interestingly enough, Burroughs also went to Harvard, which ties into our fun modern day tale from earlier. How nice. What a storied and reputable Ivy League school that was selling fucking body parts off the loading dock and making huge sums of money from Jeffrey Epstein. Fuck Harvard. Sorry to my Harvard listeners. I love you guys, but your degree is from an institution that took money from Jeffrey Epstein and sells body parts out of the back door. So... Yeah, take from that what you will. I can tell you one thing. I'm not hiring any interns for the show from Harvard. That might be discrimination, so that is a joke. Anyways, over the next few years, Harvey's marriage fell apart, like I said. I just imagine his life being like, Thomas, can we please do something with this goddamn brain? And he's like, not yet, the world isn't ready. While he's playing Pong or whatever you know, the equivalent of Fortnite was back then. He's just like a serial procrastinator, which I get. I do the same thing. I'm trying to change. I'm taking steps. But when they eventually separated, I don't know if they actually divorced. This is a research-based podcast, not a tabloid. So I know they were split up. I don't know if the full legal proceeding of a divorce went through. But she threatened to throw their brain out, and he had to go back to the house. He presumably lost in the split and grab it before she threw it away. The physicality of one of the greatest minds of the modern age is like your stepdad's baseball cards. It's like, get this shit out of here. After moving out, Harvey would brag to Burroughs and the others that he could grab the brain whenever he wanted. And he stored it in a beer fridge in his bachelor pad in a formaldehyde-filled mayonnaise jar. That is not emphasis. That is not hyperbole. That is 100% accurate to how it was kept. It was kept in an empty Hellman's mayonnaise jar filled with formaldehyde. The brain of Albert Einstein, one of the greatest minds of modern history, was kept like next to the Miller High Lifes in this guy's fridge. Most of the bragging was done too, besides to acclaimed beat novelist William S. Burroughs, who I cannot stress enough between writing American classics and slugging Heineken's with Harvey and probably making mixed drinks with Einstein's brain soloidin cubes as ice cubes was just hanging around through all of this. But most of the bragging was directed at his co-workers in the plastic extrusion factory he worked at. So he's a disgraced doctor. He lost his medical license and he just gets into factory assembly line works. He's like, I, I should be somebody. Okay, now imagine 
your most insufferable coworker, right? Now imagine he or she insists that you call him Dr. Harvey or whatever his or her last name is. Even though he's not a doctor, he's always doing this shit that nurses do where they're like, Oh, you're coughing. I can operate on your esophagus with a pen. But on top of the like weird nurse superiority, he's asking you if you want to see Einstein's brain on the DL. After that side note, eventually we get to 1978 where some newspaper editor had heard a vague reference to the story and wanted to do a follow-up, so he sent a reporter out to find the brain. I'm definitely imagining like a J. Jonah Jameson-style character here. I need you to find pictures of Spider-Man's brain. That's why I'm sending you, Parker. (laughs) The man for the job was one Stephen Levy who found the brain and wrote the story I originally heard this event from in... 1978. I wasn't there in 1978. I just saw it on some mystery TV show like last year when I was at a hotel. But they referenced his article. It might have been that one with William Shatner. I don't know. Later on in 1997, we have the great American road trip with the brain. Harvey wants to meet the granddaughter of Einstein and maybe give her the brain. Harvey had just been in a car accident the previous year, 1996, and had been pretty much all jacked up. He was not really able to drive anymore. He was getting on in years. I think he died when he was 97. That was in 2007, so he must have been like 87 at this point. So, a reporter, Michael Paternity, sort of a father figure to the brain, if you will, eagerly steps in to drive him from Jersey to California in exchange for a chance at the number one brain story of the 90s. And that's a pretty big get a year after Mars Attacks came out. A lot of brain action in that one. I feel like that would be a really awkward drive, starting from Princeton all the way to, like, Washington or so. But within another day of driving, I imagine there's a lot of rapport built up. I'm picturing, like, a weekend at Bernie's situation where they have just the brain in a pickle jar, a mayonnaise jar or whatever, with, like, a little hat on it. And they take it to Mount Rushmore and the Grand Canyon and Las Vegas strip clubs and everything. Just this aging... Igor-looking motherfucker, his brain, and a reporter seeing the great outdoors, hitting the national parks, uh, and just, like, pan to the <laughs> to the shot of the overhead palm trees. That, like, iconic TV shot of uh, Sunset Boulevard. And then they pan down, and the, the brain in the jar has, like, little sunglasses and a mini Hawaiian shirt, maybe a bucket hat, like, in um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas or something. When they finally get... From Jersey to California with the brain, they get to Einstein's like granddaughter's house. She doesn't even want the brain. She's like, why are you, why are you here? I don't want this. Ew. (laughs) Who's Einstein anyway? Ew. So they left discouraged and they accidentally left the brain in a jar on the counter and just took off. And they got like a few miles out of town before they realized that they left it. And they're like, God damn it, we gotta go back and get that brain before she puts it down the garbage disposal. And um, so they went back and get it, and then they take the long trip home. I don't know if they took a plane home. I didn't I didn't actually read the book for this one. And I really wish there was more to this story narrative beat-wise, and I'm sure there is, but honestly, for this particular part of the brain's existence, I really just read summaries and articles. But if you're interested in the whole story of the Great American Brain Road Trip, check out the book. I think it's called Driving Mr. Albert by Michael Paternity. 
Um, in the end, they returned what was left of the brain back where it all started. Not in Germany, where Einstein was born, but back where it all started after it was taken out of his head, where they ripped it out at the Princeton Medical Lab. But before we get to the ultimate fate of the brain, what happened before the road trip in the interim? Before that road trip and before the articles were written... From 1955 until like 1978 and beyond, what was happening with it besides just chilling next to the Miller High Lifes in this guy's beer fridge? The brain chunks were being sent to almost anyone that asked to do a study on it, and a good chunk of people that didn't ask. Harvey sent out in, I, I don't even know if it was like refrigerated envelopes or whatever, or just straight up ups chunks of the brain to anyone that wanted to do a study on the brain and prominent neuroscientists and neurosurgeons and stuff honestly you got to give the guy credit because while he wasn't a brain surgeon himself he knew that there's probably something to be gleaned from cutting this brain apart one such scientist was from university of california berkeley marianne diamond sounds kind of like a pawn girl they had some wild names. One of them was like literally pussy galore. Back on track, Diamond was one of the lucky chunk recipients I just mentioned. And she conducted a study that was basically just looking at chunks of Einstein's brain versus chunks of other brains. Where she got the other brains, I don't know. I'm saying that for dramatic effect. She basically got the other brains from, I think, a veteran's hospital, anonymous donors and, and whatnot. Basically, what it boiled down to is that one of the chunks of Einstein's brain had far more glial cells than most of the control brains. Really not much to go on, but if you recall from earlier, this was kind of the big swing and dick of brains, so she had to point to something that made this dude different. It happened to be the only statistically significant parameter of the 28 that she looked at. So she's looking at like, oh, how many glial cells does this have? How many neurons does this chunk of the brain have compared to the controls? Like, what's the size? What's the length? Uh, what's the color? Literally, the only thing that was different is this slight difference in glial cells. And of course, Einstein being a household name and people hearing about the brain every decade or so being like, one more year and I'll have the landmark study made this a pretty big story, even though there wasn't really any meaningful discoveries made from it. A glial cell is basically like so the neurons are what fire a... Th okay, I'm going to dumb this down a little bit. Mostly for my own benefit, but also for you guys. So the neurons are what kind of send the electrical signals back and forth. And the glial cells are kind of wrap around the little chunks of neurons and basically insulate it and provide oxygen to the neurons. So Einstein's brain was especially oxygenated in this one particular cube compared to control brains. And his neurons were especially electrically insulated and so they're like the the support cells they're like the insulation around your water pipe so your water doesn't freeze in the winter but this story was big news there are a few other studies on the chunks of einstein's brain but nothing really to the as much acclaim as the marianne diamond stuff and if you look into her she was actually ended up being a pretty famous neurologist 
down the line. I think there was a documentary about her at some point, or she wrote a book or something about, you know, my complicated relationship with the human brain, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever. I don't, I don't really care. But after all that bouncing around between labs and beer fridges and trunks of some reporter's shitty Cadillac and the garbage disposal of someone's grandson, the last big intact portions of it spread across museum exhibits in Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia. And as for Einstein himself... He died at the beginning of the story. You already knew that. You already knew that Einstein was dead. Once they remove the brain from the patient, they're usually expired. As for Harvey, he lived out the rest of his days peacefully. So after 1997, he donated the rest of the brain to the museums and the Princeton lab. He had the pictures of the brain, which were never before seen by the outside world, up until after he donated them to the museums and stuff, because people had only seen, like, little chunks and saloidin and stuff. But Harvey lived out the rest of his days peacefully, sometimes interrupted with an enterprising reporter trying to get a scoop of the brain. Metaphorically, of course, because all the scoops physically were gone or in museums. He might have kept a little chunk in the beer fridge, who knows. He passed in 2007 at the ripe age of 94. Chilling, drinking, and bragging, probably to nubile grad student chicks that he was the guy that yoinked Einstein's brain. So, Thomas Harvey, he was a bit of a madman, but at the same time, he was a bit of a visionary. This whole story wouldn't exist if he hadn't stolen the brain and it had just been cremated as requested. But I think it's interesting, and I feel like somebody should have looked at the brain. I, I I don't think he's wrong there, maybe taking it without permission. He probably should have got permission beforehand to be like, you know, maybe we should look at your dad's brain. Rather than, it, it's definitely one of those situations where I think begging for forgiveness doesn't really trump, like, asking for permission. But it happened. It's, it is what it is, and the brain was floating around for a long-ass time. And speaking of him being a visionary, we still don't really know exactly where the eyes are, Einstein's eyes. So I'm just kind of picturing the warehouse scene at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, or like the end of season one of the X-Files, where some worker just has the eyeballs in a jar and puts it on the shelf next to like Rasputin's penis and Geronimo's skull and he just kind of has his cart full of body parts and moves on humming if I only had a brain from the Wizard of Oz and continues shuffling down the macabre hallway and that's that's pretty much all I got for you tonight I got some fun stuff coming up I know I'm a little late here like I said it's a funny story involving the Pope the living one and uh, Sarah and I potentially trying to buy a house. More importantly, that means a new studio for the show. It'll be big enough for two people even. Who knows? That would be exciting. I don't know if I've actually posted a picture of this, the quote-unquote studio on Instagram, but it's probably like three foot by th- by two and a half feet. <laughs> like floor, squ- <laughs> like 12 square feet or something. I will keep you guys up to date on that story and probably cover that whole saga if that ends up working out. Who might be haunted, who knows. And I know I haven't asked in a little while, but if you listen this far, please consider throwing a rating or a review or both. That would be even better on whatever podcast platform you listen on. Probably not Stitcher, because I just got an email that Stitcher is closing down. I think they're just transitioning to 
Sirius XM kind of thing, because I think Sirius owns them. So I think they're just trying to unify their branding there. But if you listen on Stitcher, make sure that you subscribe on some other podcast platform. But yeah, if you if you leave some interaction on those, that helps out the show a ton. We're finally at the point where we're breaking even and I'm I'm getting like new listeners every day. And I'm so happy to see that. And I'm so happy to continue what I'm doing. I'm thinking about maybe starting some kind of like bonus content for the show. If you have some ideas for that, let me know at nightmarenow.com. Otherwise, I'm probably going to end up doing some like horror movie, mystery science theater 3000 style commentary. Because I, I mean, that's fun for me to do on my own. And if people are interested in that kind of thing, I think that would be a lot of fun. But thanks everyone for listening. Hang on to your brains. If you're going to get your body donated, Get all that shit in writing and make sure somebody, like, is checking up on that two weeks in so you're not having your penis stitched onto a doll in Salem or something like that. I'd say sweet dreams, but we all know it's only going to be nightmare now. Thank you so much. See you next week.